above our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one, crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Make every crooked path straight. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our last broadcast, which was on the 15th of August, we took a look at what gave rise to the gospel itself. Our purpose was to see from history what happened that has made the gospel to be imperative. We saw that the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden had introduced death to the human race, both physical and spiritual, contrary to God's original design. And even though God, God's love for the human race continues and remains, yet the sin which man has found himself immersed in has created a problem. And because sin must be punished, man who engages in sin must therefore also be punished. But then we have a quagmire here because on the one hand is the love that God has for mankind. And on the other hand is his righteousness and his justice that must punish sin. So what does he do? God's plan, therefore, was to redeem man from sin by getting the Lord Jesus Christ to come and pay the price, the punishment for that sin so that his love for mankind is therefore expressed in what it was that the Lord Jesus Christ did. Hence, the gospel, which is the joyous message or the joyous good news of the deliverance and salvation of the human race from Satan's bondage and from judgment of God upon sinners, was introduced. Not as an afterthought, but from the very get-go. Because we saw that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God had said that the seed of the woman would come and um, bruise the head of the, 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 the serpent, which is Satan. Now, so we saw that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ at the first was so that he would pay the ultimate price for the sins of the human race. And if Jesus Christ has paid the price for sin, then it means that man is free from the punishment of sin. However, there's one caveat, and the caveat is whosoever believeth, whosoever believes. If you believe, what the Lord Jesus Christ did as paying the punishment for your punishment for sin on account of sin, then you are free. The Bible says, whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's John chapter 3 verse 16. So the gospel is therefore the message of this great deliverance and salvation. This is a message that is to be preached, is to be declared, is to be proclaimed to all of mankind, regardless of their creed, regardless of their religion, regardless of anything. And the message is this, that Adam sinned, and as Adam sinned and death entered into the world and passed on to the human race in its entirety, including even animals, so also has Jesus' death on account for sin introduced life, negating death to all men. By death, I mean spiritual death to all men. If and only if they believe without doubting and put their trust in Jesus to save them from sin's consequence, and deliver them from Satan's bondage. This being the case, it must be emphatically stated that the gospel is principally about dealing with what gave rise to sin as well as dealing with sin. And when we talk of what gave rise to sin, we must note that it was man's rebellion against the command of God that gave rise to sin. More succinctly, it was actually the desire of man to want to be what God did not want him to be on the one hand, and also on the other hand, for man not wanting to respond positively to God's instruction not to partake of the tree, of the not of the fruit of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. But man through Eve, and of course Adam by, by, by proxy therefore, thought that they could get what God would have given to them anyway by yielding to what Satan had told them because they felt that God, God's word was to be put aside and Satan's word was to be believed. Because when Satan told Eve that, don't worry, you can eat of that tree and you shall not surely die, Eve believed and refused to believe God. So we find a situation in which man believes every other thing except the word of God. And that is what sin has caused to the, uh, has brought to the human race. And so the gospel, the gospel message comes to deal with sin and comes to deal with the cause of sin, which is the desire of man to live contrary to the word of God, what we call the human nature or the sinful human nature or simply the flesh. Thus, we must assert that the primary focus 
of the gospel is not um, only bringing men out of sin, but also to ensure that that nature to act contrary to God and his words or his demands is completely removed. This is the truth about the gospel. A changed life is the goal of the gospel. Not just that you go to church or that you, you read the Bible for the sake of reading the Bible and there is no change in your life from a life of sin to a life of righteousness, from a life of disobedience to the word of God to a life of uh, obedience to the word of God. If those things, if, if, if you have not changed in the way you have been living contrary uh, uh, prior to when you claim that you have been born again, then it means that the gospel has had no effect on you. Because the goal of the gospel in dealing with sin and dealing with the human nature is to bring man to the place where his life changes. From the life of sin to a life of righteousness. From the life of self to a life that is devoted to God. Any coloration corrupts the gospel and makes the end result of no consequence for eternal life. Because in all of what we've said here, eternal life is the ultimate. That if a man were to believe and to live according to the word of God, having been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do so, then he is going to inherit eternal life. But if there is any coloration aside from the simplicity of the gospel, then we have a situation where the end result does not get to the place of eternal life, but a place where the man enters into eternal damnation. In today's broadcast, we want to take off from this, from this area of the, the coloration of the gospel and its consequence of not giving eternal life to those who seek it. Now, one coloration that is currently corrupting the gospel is the matter of healing, miracles, signs, and wonders. Now, I, I, I must state clearly here that I'm not about to make any statement that is heretic. No, what I'm trying to do here is to clarify the place or the role of healings, miracles, signs, and wonders in the gospel plan, the gospel program of God. Now, I must note that if we look at the scriptures, we will see that God is not averse to healings, to miracles, signs, and wonders. In fact, contrary to that, God is actually pleased. In fact, he, he, he gave gifts to men so that they could uh, engage in such acts. But there is a purpose for it. And where the purpose is not being done, then abuse and misuse comes in. And that is what we find today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, reading from verse 7 through to verse 11, the Bible says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So clearly, the Holy Spirit gives gifts to men. And in included in, in those gifts are healings, miracles, prophecies, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and so on and so forth. They are gifts of the Spirit. So definitely, healings, miracles, signs and wonders cannot be contrary to the gospel and they really are not what is contrary though is its use or rather its misuse and abuse in matthew chapter 10 matthew chapter 10 verse 78 the lord jesus gave instructions to his disciples to go out and preach and part of the instructions he gave and i'm going to read verse 7 uh, matthew 10 verse 7 and verse 8 it says and as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand heal the sick Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. God is not averse to healings, miracles, uh, signs and wonders, cleansing of lepers, raising of the dead. He is not averse to that. Indeed, he, he, he's, it, is, it is part of what we do in the, pro, in, in the proclamation of the gospel. But there is one abuse about these things. He said there, freely you have received freely give. Many people today are merchandising the matter of healings, miracles, signs and wonders, prophecies, demanding payments before 
or after these things are done. But we have examples in the Bible. In, in 2 Kings, for example, chapter 5, from verse 8 through to verse 27, that's the end. There was the, sto the story is told of Naaman, a Syrian general who was a leper. He went to Israel seeking healing. He eventually met with Elisha the prophet. Elisha the prophet told him what to do. He, he, he well, after gr grudgingly though, he did it and he came back whole. And in, out of gratitude, he returned to pay Elisha, to give Elisha some things as, as, as a mark of his gratitude for what had, had taken place in his life. But Elisha said, no, 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 you should take it away. That he, he, he refused to take it. But Elisha's servant, Gehazi, ran after Naaman and went and got some of those things. And when he was questioned later by Elisha, in fact, he lied that Elisha had sent him and that because some people had just come after he had left, Elisha had sent him to come and uh, collect those things. And the man even offered to give him more. And they even offered to help him carry it away, carry it back on the way he told them when he almost got to the place. He said, no, don't worry, leave it. I'll take it in myself. And then he went to hide it in his, in his, in his, uh, in his uh, apartment. When Elisha sent for him, he lied and said, no, he didn't go anywhere that he was in his room. Elisha said, but my spirit went with you when you went to do these things. And he, 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 a, a curse was placed on him that the leprosy that had left um, Naaman cleave unto him. So we should be very careful. If you are in the practice of collecting money for preaching the gospel or working miracle signs and wonders, be careful. Beware. Because the leprosy or the sicknesses that were removed from those people just might cleave unto you. In Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to verse 20, another time the Lord Jesus sent 70 out to go and preach uh, two by two. He gave them the same command. Heal, uh, cast out demons, and so on and so forth. Now when they returned, they were excited. They rejoiced that they had uh, uh, engaged in these things and that demons were actually subject to them. It was, it was a new thing for them. The power of the gospel was so new to them and they were excited by it. But the Lord warned them as he's warning us. He said, don't get excited about the fact that demons are subject to you. If you must rejoice, rejoice in this thing, that your names are written in heaven. And that is the goal of the gospel, that your name is written in heaven. It is not about the fact that you are healed. You may be healed, and we're going to see that. You may receive a healing and yet not get into heaven. So that is the issue here. Now, in Matthew chapter 16, I believe it's verse 26, the Lord Jesus asked the question, what, what is the gain? What does it profit you if you gain this entire world and you lost your soul? What value do you place on your soul? What is your soul really worth that you want the things of this earth? that you're looking for money, that you're looking for fame or gifts and so on and so forth. The gospel is aimed at the souls of men getting to heaven, regardless of whether or not they are healed. This is the truth. In Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, Matthew chapter 5, from verse 27 through to verse 30, the Lord Jesus is the one making this assessment. He said, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to, to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now, what is he saying here? He's saying, look, <coughs> that it is better for you to enter into heaven maimed than to enter into hell whole. So if any part of you is going to be a problem with receiving the, 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 with receiving the gospel and living righteously, it is better that you cut it off. What is the implication of this statement? It means that the matter of being whole is not a prerequisite for you to get into heaven. What is a prerequisite for you to get into heaven is that you have believed, you have believed the Lord Jesus Christ to be the Savior and the Lord and you have received him and you are living by the power of the Holy Spirit that was given to you. That's all. Anything more than that is a bonus, a blessing, an addition. So if, for example, you were, you were sick when you received Jesus Christ and you were healed, fantastic. 
But if you receive Jesus Christ when you were sick and you pass on from there, fantastic also because you have gone to heaven. So it is not a matter of being here on the earth. In Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 23 to verse 30, the Lord Jesus, let, let, let me look for that. Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, from verse 23 to 27. Let me read from verse 27. It says there, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. That's what he said. He said, look, there were many lepers in Israel, but God did not heal any one of them in Israel. He went to Syria to heal. He, 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 the healing came upon a Syrian, not even an Israeli. And the Israelites were God's people as at this time. So what is the Lord Jesus Christ saying? It is the same thing. There were many of them who were received into the bosom of Abraham. Some of many of them, some of them were healed, were, 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 were sick. For example, we know the story of Lazarus and the rich man, that Lazarus went to heaven, went into the bosom of Abraham. But the rich man who had lived in his pleasures here on the earth went to hell. So it is not about whether you are wealthy or you are healthy or not. What is crucial to God is that you have received the gospel message, you have believed it, and therefore have accepted the forgiveness that comes as a result of uh, sin being dealt with and have received his word into your life by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are now living right before God. In John chapter 6, a very interesting thing happened before that. He, the, the Lord Jesus had um, been ministering somewhere and had been ministering for about uh, three days or so. And the people were with him. And so he said, no, I, I, he had compassion on them. He said, they've been with me for three days. I can't let them go like that. Let's give them food to eat. Now, that was where he performed the miracle where 5,000 people were fed. 5,000 men, not counting women and children. They were fed. Now, after that miracle, he dispersed the people. He went, to went ahead to pray. Uh, then the disciples were caught at sea. He rescued them. And then they found themselves on the other side. Now, when these people... Um, God up the next day, they went looking for him. Let's, let's take it from, from verse 24. John chapter 6 from verse 24. Now, when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Please note, they came seeking Jesus. There are many people seeking Jesus, but the reasons are different. In verse 25, the Bible says, And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Now, Jesus, of course, knew why they had come. So in verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the, of, of, of the loaves and were filled. They were looking for him because of food. They were not even concerned that a miracle had taken place in feeding them. The issue was they just wanted to eat. So even in seeking miracles, People are not really concerned about how the miracle comes. They just want the miracle. And that is the problem with miracle seeking. Because when you seek a miracle without its source and without its, its very essence, you are going to go to a herbalist to get what you would call a miracle. You are going to go to a con artist to get what you want to, what you want to believe or call a miracle. In verse 27, the Lord Jesus said, Do not labor for food which perishes. That word labor includes making it a pursuit. Don't seek after it. Don't make it a pursuit. It says, for food which endures. It says, but seek. Let, let me read again. Verse 27. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. There's a reason why the Lord Jesus worked these miracles. And we're going to look, we're going to see that uh, towards the, the end of what we're discussing. But we want to establish a fact here that healings, miracles, signs, and wonders are not, they, they have a significant role to play. But they, that is not the essence of the gospel. The essence of the gospel is to bring you to the place of repentance where you can receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You can receive the righteousness of God through the Lord Jesus Christ and then receive the Holy Spirit into your life and be thus empowered to live for God. In verse 28 of John chapter 6 says, Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may walk the works of God? 
Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. This is the work of God. This is the gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Miracle or no miracle. Miracle is good. But if you receive a miracle and you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, how has it? How has the miracle profited you? The miracle is supposed to bring you to the place of receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. If it does not do that, then you have, what was the essence of the miracle itself? It's of no use. And so there is an abuse of miracles today. And it is not allowing people to receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to read to you Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to read from verse 21 through to verse 23. Matthew chapter 7, from verse 21 through to verse 23. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name and then I will declare to them I never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness one, one other translation says depart from me you who uh, did what was unauthorized the Lord Jesus was here saying that there will be there will be there will be many people who will be disappointed on the last day they think that by merchandising or working miracle signs and wonders that they are going to get to heaven. No! Heaven is a completely different ballgame. Miracle signs and wonders is, the ve- is, is, is a resource that God has given to us to show to, to the unbelieving world something that will help them to believe that Jesus Christ can save them from sin. But I can tell you by experience that even people who have seen miracles, signs, and wonders still will not believe. Faith, there is something about the message, the raw message of the gospel that makes a man to be convicted that he's a sinner and needs a savior. Healings, miracles, and signs, and wonders may not achieve that if we are not careful. It may just give people freedom from what was keeping them from even receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. And once they have that freedom, they are okay and they want to continue doing what they were doing before. Those who perform signs and wonders, but not by divine authorization, they are going to be in for a shock. It is important, therefore, that we do what God wants us to do, not what we think we should do. In Romans chapter 11, verse 29, the Bible tells us that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That is, they are irrevocable. God does not give you gifts and call you and then withdraw them. He does not. However, when a man has left the side of God, even though the gifts and calling remain, but because it is outside of God, whatever that man does is evil in the sight of God. I want you to remember, to note one thing, that Satan, when Satan was removed as a cherub by God, everything that God put in him, God did not take away. God left them there. However, because God was not a part of what he was doing, he used it for evil. It's the same thing with those who are demonstrating gifts, uh, miracles, signs and wonders are part from God. It is considered evil by God. It's an abomination because it's a, an abuse and a misuse of the gifts of God. The gifts of God is supposed to be used in concert with God by his spirit, not apart from God. Beloved, the primary focus of the gospel, I emphasize, is bringing sinners to God, telling them that the forgiveness of sin has been uh, accomplished through Jesus Christ's death on the cross at Calvary. This is the message of the gospel. And also to tell them that they ought to now repent, turn away from their sinful living and turn to Christ in faith. And like I said earlier, any coloration apart from this simple gospel, it will corrupt the gospel and it will make the end result of no consequence for eternal life. So what is the role of healings, miracles, signs, and wonders. Number one, healings, miracles, signs, and wonders prove the power of God to save, but they never, they do not confer on the recipients the salvation of God. In Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 12, Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 12, the Lord Jesus 
was in a place preaching and the power of God was present to heal as he was preaching. And uh, they brought a man and because there was no space there, they went on top of the roof and broke the roof through and lowered the man into where the Lord Jesus Christ was preaching. And the Bible says that when the Lord Jesus Christ saw the faith of these men in lowering their friend for him, let's read verse 5 of uh, Mark chapter 2. The Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, that's the man that was lowered down, son, your sins are forgiven you. The forgiveness of sin is very, very crucial. The man was still on his bed. He was still paralyzed. He was still impotent in the bed. And the Lord Jesus told him, your sins are forgiven you. Now, it would appear that what he needed more than anything was the forgiveness of sin. And in, when he said that, in verse 6, the Bible says, And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. So what was happening here? Lord was proving to them that he had the power to forgive sin. And to prove that he could forgive sin, he now showed them by saying, man, get up and walk. And the man began to walk. The man picked up his bed and left. In fact, the people said, we have seen a new, a new dimension today. Because the, 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 the gospel, the power of the gospel is in the action, the acts that the gospel, that, that the gospel message performs in the lives of people. Healings, miracles, signs, and wonders. They prove that God, the God who works those signs, who works those miracles, also has the power to save them from sin. And so the idea is, in receiving the, the in receiving the healing, in receiving this miracle, you will turn to God in faith and repent from sin. You cannot receive it and continue in sin. In John chapter 5, John chapter 5, I'm going to read again from verse 1. And I'll read uh, through to verse 14. John chapter 5, from verse 1 through to verse 14. Um, after this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever uh, stepped in after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But when I am um, coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Now, um, a few things happened. They, they questioned this man who had healed him because it was the Sabbath day. And the man said he didn't know. Eventually in verse 14, something happened. The Lord Jesus Christ came back to him and said, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. There is, a, there is a link between this man's problem and the life of sin that he was living. So his problem was the consequence of sin. So that in dealing with sin, he was made well. But either way, it would work. So in this particular instance, healing was making him well. But had he received the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, we know that at this point in time, there, was no, there really wasn't salvation because the Lord Jesus Christ had not yet died. And resurrected so there really wasn't salvation however he was warning him that if you continue to live as you were living before this thing will come back to you so it, the, the matter of um the power of god to save is simply that when he when a healing is administered on that person he knows that definitely whoever healed him has the power to give him salvation now it is therefore not a good thing to go on talking about healing 
and not present the gospel. Because one of the crucial things is to present the gospel even after healing has taken place. And I'm going to talk about that as a, as a second um, thing that the, the role that the gospel, that uh, healing, miracles, signs, and wonders play. But I want to draw your attention to a particular story in Matthew chapter 15, verse 22 to 28. Matthew 15, verse 22 through to verse 28. It's a story of the Syrophoenician woman who went to the Lord Jesus seeking healing for her daughter. Her daughter was demon-possessed and she wanted the daughter healed. And the Lord, after a few bantering here and there, they came to uh, the Lord came to conclusion and said, Okay, go, your daughter is made well. And the woman left. Now, the woman's daughter received the healing. But I want you to understand that neither the woman nor her daughter received salvation. Even though they received healing, they did not receive salvation. But in Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52, Mark 10, 46 to 52, this story of blind Bartimaeus. After blind Bartimaeus was made well, after he began to see, after he had been healed and was now, his blindness was off and he began to see, the Bible notes in verse 52 that after he was healed, he followed Jesus in the way. What does that mean? It's talking about being a disciple. It's talking about the, the, the following your, your healing with salvation. Healing does not just take place on its own and salvation is not there. In Romans chapter 13, verse 6 to 12, uh, sorry, um, Acts chapter 13, verse 6 to 12, Acts chapter 13, verse 6 to 12, is a story of Paul and Barnabas preaching to a Roman consul called Sergius Paulus. And whilst they were preaching the gospel to this man, there was a, 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 a soothsayer or false prophet called Bar-Jesus. And this fellow was disturbing and in, interfering in their, their gospel message to the Roman consul. And Paul became irritated and the Spirit of God came mightily upon Paul. And Paul spoke to the blind man, uh, to the, to the uh, false prophet who was disturbing them. Said, the, you, 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 you child of the devil, the, the, let, let, let blindness come upon you for a season. And instantly, the man began to grope for, 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 for help, seeking help. When the Roman consul saw the power that was in the gospel, that this same message was able to make a man blind, the man believed. So you see, the role of miracles, healing signs and wonders is to bring about salvation. It may not even be particularly to the person that has received the healing or the miracle, but it is about its impact to those who are hearing the message and seeing the power at work. That brings me to the second reason for healings, miracles, signs, and wonders. And that is that they aid the preaching of the gospel in bringing men to salvation. Uh, to, 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 to salvation. In Acts chapter 3 and uh, uh, chapter 4, up to a, a portion of chapter 4, this, we, we read the story of a man who was born lame and who was placed at the gate called Beautiful. And he was there every day, laid every day there to um, beg for arms. He, he, he sought to beg for arms from Peter and John who were going into the temple to pray. And that was where Peter made a famous statement, said, silver or gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He pulled the man by his hand, his ankle bones received strength, and the man began to walk. And this man was so excited, he began to leap up, he began to jump, he went into the temple, praising God, rejoicing, glorifying God, and doing all kinds of things, excited that he was now able to walk. And because of what he had been, because of th this thing, there was um, a stir, a stirring in the place. And people gathered round and began to wonder what was going on. How, because they knew the man that he was lame. And they saw him now walking. And when they did this, Peter latched on this opportunity to preach the gospel. Let me just read a little bit of it from verse 11 of Acts chapter 3. It says, Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, Solomon's greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men, and his, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. 
and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. You now, brethren, sorry, said, yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the child would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And it continues. Now in chapter 4 of verse 4, this is what the Bible says as an aftermath of all this uh, preaching. It said, however, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of men came to be about 5,000. So as a result of the healing of this lame man, making him to walk, the platform to preach the gospel was open and in preaching the gospel, 5,000 souls came. We find that the role of healing medical science is to aid the gospel. Indeed, in John chapter 9, John chapter 9, the Bible gives us the story of a man also that was born blind. In fact, this man elicited a debate that gave us some understanding because in those days, it was believed that um, people receive uh, what was what I'm now that people as a result of sin get these defects in their lives and so when this man was when when the disciples came across this man who was born blind with the Lord Jesus they asked the Lord Jesus who is it that sinned this man was born blind was this this man that sinned in his mother's womb or was it his parents that sinned what what why is this man blind and the Lord Jesus said no this man's blindness is for the glory of God it had nothing to do with the sin of the man or the sins of the father. He did not, he said that blindness had nothing to do with sin of any sort. It was just something that God put there because he wanted to do a work and prove himself. And eventually the man was made whole. The man was, the Lord Jesus spat on, on, on mud, put it over his eyes and told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. That, that, that's a different subject for another time to be discussed. But what is important is the man went and came back, washed and came back seen. And people were, were stunned. That, is this the same man? Is this not the same man? Then the Pharisees got into the, into the fray and began to harass the man. That who is it that healed you? We want to know who healed you? Because you, you, <laughs> you, you, we don't believe this healing. And the man said, look, one thing I know is I used to be blind, but now I can see. And they even called the man's parents. The man's parents wanted to play safe and said, look, the man is an adult. He's over 40 years old. Ask him. But we know one thing. When we gave birth to this man, he was blind. Eventually, when the Lord Jesus Christ met with the man, the, a, a, a conversation ensued. So let me let me um, read it from verse 34. Okay, let me take from 32. It said, I think this is the, these are the Pharisees. It says, since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This is the, the, the blind man, rather, who was speaking to the Pharisees. They, the Pharisees, answered and said to him, you were completely born in sin, in sins. And are you teaching us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? So the, this man had not yet believed, but he had received his sight. So there were two different things taking place. His sight was received, but he had not yet believed. He answered and said, Who is the Lord that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. So this man, having regained his sight, had not yet believed. Then the Lord Jesus came back to him after they had pushed him out of the Sanhedrin, out of the, the, the synagogue, and said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He said, I want to believe. Who is he? And he said, you are, you are looking at him. So in the same way, after miracles and wonders and, and all this I've done, we, we must preach the gospel because the essence of this miracle signs and wonders is for people to receive the understanding that the same power that heals sickness, 
the same power that cast out demons, the same power that raises the dead is available to save them from sin through the same Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 15, verse 19, Romans chapter 15, verse 19, Paul was writing and said, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Ilricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is to be preached through miracle signs and wonders. But not that you come and walk miracle signs and wonders and cut off the preaching of the gospel. No, you, you, you do it, you preach, the, you, you preach the gospel, whether miracle signs and wonders happen or not. Just preach the gospel. But where miracle signs and wonders have taken place, preach the gospel also. Because there are those who have witnessed this miracle who need to hear the message of salvation. That it doesn't stop with the miracle. There is salvation available to those who believe in Jesus Christ. Sometimes unexpected results manifest, even with miracles, healing, signs, and wonders. There was a time recorded in um, uh, Acts chapter 14, verse 8 to 19. And another man, born lame, was listening to uh, Paul preach. And when Paul saw that the man had faith, Paul told him, man, get up on your feet. And the man jumped up and began to walk. Now, when the people saw that this man was walking, oh, they went ahead, they went to town. They began to say, oh, this Paul, Paul is uh, Mercury, uh, Barnabas is Zeus. The gods have come to them. The gods have appeared to them in human form. And they began to gather things to worship Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas ran into their midst, tore their clothes and said, we are mere men. We are not gods. This is exactly the message that we have brought to you to stop you from idolatry. Today, we are seeing men who are taking the place of God and behaving as if they are the ones who are working miracles. Well, maybe they are the ones doing it. Maybe the miracles they are doing is not by the power of God. But because if it's by the power of God, we will give 100% credit to God and never even take anything for ourselves. This is what God expects of us, that we would present the message of salvation from sin, repentance, forgiveness of sin, and a, a turning to God by, uh, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we don't do that, then we are giving the gospel a wrong coloration and claiming the gospel to be what it is not. The truth about the gospel must remain the truth about the gospel, which is dealing with sin in the life of men, bringing men out of sin and bringing men to God in righteousness, dealing with the self-life that is in man and cutting it off so that the life of man can now revolve around God, where the sick serve and are loyal and devoted to God. Thirdly, concerning the place and role of healings, miracles, signs, and wonders, is that sometimes they are just done out of the goodness of the heart of God. Whether the fellow, the recipient, receives salvation or not, God has just done that for him out of the compassion of God. Of course, it is expected that when a miracle like that has taken place in your life, when healings of that sort have taken place in your life, you would naturally want to turn to God for salvation. For example, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, the Lord Jesus saw a, a large group of people. He had compassion on them and he healed them. The issue of salvation was not discussed, but he healed them. In Matthew 15, 32, the Bible talks about, I mentioned that the feeding of the 5,000, it was out of compassion. And when they returned, and we're expecting more. He said to them, no, 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 no. What you need to come to is the bread of life, not the not this bread that you eat and it will it will run, it will come out of the other end of your of your body. You need the bread of life, the one that will sustain you and take you to heaven. He said, He said, Your fathers ate bread in the wilderness, but they died. Now I am the bread from heaven. If you would believe me and receive me, then you will not die. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 34. The Lord Jesus opened two blind eyes out of compassion. They, didn't, they, they came begging, but he had compassion on them and he opened their eyes. In Mark chapter 1 verse 41, a leper came to him for cleansing. Out of compassion, he cleansed the leper. But he didn't mean that the leper received salvation. In Matthew chapter 5, in Mark chapter 5 from verse 1, um, the, the, the story of the madman of Gadara. After the Lord Jesus had healed that man and the man wanted to follow him back when he was leaving the coast, the Lord Jesus said to the man, go back to your people and tell them how God has had compassion on you. Those were healings that were made out of compassion. Of course, in this particular case of the madman of Gadara, the Bible tells us that he sat at Jesus' feet learning. So we know that he must have been told some things about, about sin and salvation and so on and so forth. Whatever he did with it, we are not told. Now, I must sound a word of caution as I begin to bring this whole discussion 
to a close. Word of caution on healing, miracle signs and wonders is the fact that there are also lying wonders. There are lying signs, there are lying miracles where people work out all matter of all manner of iniquitous things and claiming that it is God that sent them. In Second Thessalonians, Second Second Thessalonians chapter two, I'm going to read from verse eight to verse fifteen. Second Thessalonians chapter two, from verse eight to verse fifteen, says, "And then the lawless one here is talking about the Antichrist. The lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders." This is to be distinguished from the signs and wonders of God. Anything that is not of God is lying. Even when it is a gift that God had given, but the man has gone far away from God and is now abusing and misusing it, it is a lying wonder. It is a wonder, but it is a lying wonder because it is not of God, has no divine authorization. The power of God is not present in that thing. In verse, in, in verse 9, it says, uh, sorry, verse 10, it says, And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Do you see there? They pursued miracles. They pursued and but refused the truth that would bring them to salvation. And, 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 and they lost it. It says, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Stop running after miracles. Believe the Lord Jesus Christ to be the savior of mankind from sin. Get yourself delivered from sin. Every other thing will follow. And if it doesn't follow, no problem. You have access to heaven by reason of your salvation. In verse, in verse 13, he says, But we are bound to give thanks to God. Always for you, brethren, be beloved by the Lord. Because God, from the beginning, chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, in which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Stand firm there. The most important thing is that you receive the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The signs and wonders are there to help you to believe. But having believed, now believe the Lord Jesus Christ and receive his salvation. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 1 to 5, and I'm going to read because this is, this is I want you to understand that they are lying wonders. They are, they are spectacular, yet they are lying wonders because they are not, God is not of God, it's of Satan. Then I stood on the, stand of the, on, on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on, the, on his horns ten crowns, and on his head, on his heads, a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Imagine the kind of healing that this fellow received. He was fatally wounded, and yet he was brought back to life. And many people began to say, Who is like this fellow? Who was mortally wounded, and yet he returned? But it was the doing of Satan, not the doing of God. This is why many people will be drawn to the Antichrist. Because this is the Antichrist here. Mortally wounded and yet he lives. And then if you go to verse 11 through to verse 17, it says, Then I saw another beast, this is the second fellow now, coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. This second beast is actually the prophet of the Antichrist, the false prophet who will be, who will be following the Antichrist and be getting people to worship him. He, the Bible says, in verse 13, says, he performed great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. <laughs> he could call fire from heaven. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth 
by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling them, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and make and, and, and cause as many as would not worship the beast, the image of the beast, to be killed. Can you imagine? He could cause a, a, an inanimate image, an inanimate uh, uh, sculpture to speak. These are lying wonders. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. What power this man was given, yet is lying wonders. Why? Because God says, you say you want, you are looking for power, you are not looking for me, then this is the, this is the, this is the problem you're going to have. God, Bible says in, in the Thessalonians that we read, said God will send strong delusion so that they will believe this lie and they'll be chasing after it. And there are many people who, in many places today, they call those places churches because they say they are walking signs and wonders and yet they are lying wonders and they never preach once to them about the gospel of salvation. They go there to receive whatever they want to receive, yet they don't receive the gospel of salvation. The message that they should be saved, that they can be saved from their sins. They still remain in their sin and want a miracle. It is even happening in many Pentecostal churches today. People go to church just for miracles, forgetting about their sin. And yet the gospel is there to deal with sin in your life. As I close, this is my counsel to you. Seek Jesus and his salvation and his sanctification. Don't seek miracles. Don't seek him. If it comes, by all means, please take it. But more importantly, look for the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only miracle that confers salvation on its recipients is the miracle of salvation itself. And that is the act of receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I'm pleading with you, if you're listening to this now, I'm going to a church where they, are, where they are prophesying to you, where they are walking healings, miracles, signs and wonders, and you have not been delivered from sin, I plead with you. Go to the Lord Jesus Christ this instant. Pray God is hearing you. Use your, your language, English, pidgin, whatever, however you want to say it. Just say to him, Lord, I have heard this message. I believe in my heart that I'm a sinner and that I need you. You are my savior. Please come and save me from my sins. I want to receive you as my Lord also. Send your spirit unto me and deliver me from the power of Satan and of sin. I tell you the truth. The Lord Jesus will respond and you will know that you have been saved. Until we meet again, I plead with you. Hold fast to the message of the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hold fast. Deal with the matter of self in your life. Surrender totally to him. Let him deal with sin in your life and deal with the matter of self, the nature of man. I pray that when next we meet and we look at something else, another coloration by the grace of God, you will come to understand what the gospel message is about and its impact in your life. So until that time, goodbye, God bless you.